Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by the good folks over at Tractor Zoom. I got Andy Campbell back on here to talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Andy, how you doing, bud? Fantastic. We're entering into a little bit of a fall weather. It's got that smell yeah. of harvest. It's a good yep. feeling. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my favorite time of the year. It's uh, going into going into fall and then going into summer. It's usually my, my typically typically two favorite things. But fall has a special place in my heart because it's football season. You know, I, mean, I know it smells like football back. out there, doesn't it? <laughs> it's all back, yes. Yeah. After. Yeah. So uh, there is. To say that there's a lot going on in, in the used equipment space is, is an understatement. If you take a look at the sheer number of combines that are going through auction right now, it is uh-huh. it's staggering. It's a lot more than I thought would be happening right now at this particular time if someone right. asked me what it looked like. Because typically we don't see a big push of any kind of auction, real real auction activity um, until you know mid-October going into November, December. And that's just mm-hmm. not the case this year, man. You, you've got to be tracking a ton of ton of auctions right now. We are, yeah. And it started earlier than we were really yeah. anticipating. Yeah, starting in July, uh, a few dealerships and even just some typical auctions started hitting those Class 8 combines. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were hit, seeing, like, some some auctions had, like, eight different 780s uh, that were going at a yeah. time. And uh, and then it just cascaded, and it kept going all the way through August. Yep. 
Yeah, and, and you look at where the Class A common, that, that's the real that's the real tight spot. I really thought, I was worried about, um, still have my concerns about about the X9s and, and uh, you know, the big Class 10 combines you see out there from other manufacturers as well. But as you're looking at those, I really was concerned about the number of those on the marketplace just because of sheer volume of, of, of dollars, not so much number of machines. But when you start taking a look at the Class 8 combines, holy crap, man. It's talking about a, a group of machines that have really moved um, in not just the dollars that you see out there, but the number yeah. of units that are out there. And the month-over-month gain with all the stuff going through auction is still climbing. That's, and that's the right. crazy part of it. Yeah, and that's where I think we see the biggest risk from a dealership because the Class 8s, there's the most of those out there. And, yeah. I mean, they're not a 9 or a 10 from the value, but they're not far off. And yeah. so those two, the volume and the price combo, really makes that a pretty big inventory risk if you're stuck holding them. Yeah. And I think there's a, it's either, see what's today? Today's the 30th? Is it? 30th. There's a... Ag Pro has their big auction. Is it today or tomorrow? I can't remember what it is, but I have to go check that out. I think it's today, mm-hmm. I think. But anyway, I mean, there's another 34 combines that are going to sell. And that, I watched one earlier this week at Stephas where they had, you know, a bunch of choppers and a bunch of combines yep. and row crop tractors and, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, you watch what's going on there and you start seeing things, you know, what's your what's your data telling you month over month? Yeah, well, with, starting with the, uh, the Class A combines that... You know, we expected the, the price to drop down a little bit, and it has. Uh, we're starting to see that suppressed a little bit at auction with those combines and really starting to see that the retail to wholesale margin uh, increase in that gap to widen a little bit. Although one interesting thing, as I'm watching these auctions, and it's it's not for all of them, but it's for a lot of them, there's a lot of buyers that are holding on to that last second. Yes. And then you're thinking that yeah. some of these prices are going to be like rock bottom. Yeah. And then right in the last 30 minutes, you'll see it peak yep. up so you know that the farmers still have some of that cash on hand. They're hesitant. And yeah. so they're still looking for the deal, but they still need something. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it is driving that price down a little bit lower because it's only so many times you can click in 30 minutes. Right. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a unique buying pattern that's happening yeah. right now. So I, I wrote an article for Farm Equipment Magazine about this very thing. My last article will be coming out here next month, I think, whatever. But um, that's what I watched, too. I watched... You know, I was watching those X9 sell that stuff was had, and I watched that X9 that they had sell just because I wanted to see where things ended up. And as I took a hard look at what was going on, I mean, up until 30 minutes, I'm like, man, these things are going for just, they're going to be like 30, 40 cents on the dollar. Like, this is a, a reckoning, right? Mm-hmm. Same deal. So you watch that, and there's about 30 minutes to go, and a couple of those machines brought $150,000 worth of more value in that 30-minute period. It's almost like they st- the, the farmer is like, okay, here's all I'm going to spend, and I'm, I'm, I'm bidding not to lose instead of bidding to win. I'm going to put right. my proxy in, and then I'm just going to walk away, and if I get it, I get it. Because the way you watch the pattern happen, it just was like, bam, 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 all the way through. And it had everything to do with, I think, just – I mean, yeah, obviously some guys are sitting there watching there and clicking and doing their thing, but mm-hmm. it's just the pattern that you saw stuff take, take off and fly. It was almost like – all right, I'm put my proxy in, and I'm going to walk away, and whatever happens, happens, and I'm, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Right. It was, it wasn't, there wasn't the bidding frenzy that, that you would typically see that I'm going to win this machine because mm-hmm. the, the dollars that I saw on those machines going into the last day of bidding on those online sales were, I'm just like, man. Because typically you have about 75% or so, 70% or so of the value of the machine already baked in there that last day right. of sale. Yep. Last day of bidding on those online deals, 
and I was like, man, this is this is going to be gross. But they did. <laughs> they they turned out pretty well. I mean, you had what was it, five hundred four thousand on that um, X nine with you know the twenty twenty of six hundred some separator hours. You had uh, a bunch of seven eighties that sold there, and they were all you know pretty good, pretty right. good value. Not bad, you know? mm-hmm. And then you see what the the choppers brought, and they brought more money than I thought they would. So I mean, it's it's a it is a like you said. I think there's a good signal out there that there's still money on the farm. Mm-hmm. There's just the uncertainty out there of what do I need to spend my money on, and I think that's yeah. what we're seeing here a little bit. Exactly. And when I look at the auction patterns, what I see is you've got a November to about March uh, time period when we we're really hitting the peak on a lot of different things. I'm seeing on row crops, seeing on yeah. combines, and I, I think you're right. I think the mentality was different then before seed went in the ground uh, because people are like I've got money to spend. It's a good time, and I'm out there to win. Yeah. Uh, and so they were been their top dollar. Whereas now, I think they're they're conscious of what they don't know, right. and they're still looking for a deal because they've got money to spend. They know it'll be a profitable year, just yeah. not that profitable to win at all costs. Right. Yep. And uh, that's we're we're seeing that reflected a little bit. So, Wanda, let's take a look at um, row crop tractors real quick. Let's have a quick conversation about that before we jump into your into your string yeah. and stuff. Row crop tractors are something that I'm paying attention to. We're not seeing value go down on those at all. We are seeing the supply increase. Um, there's the old adage that, you know, no matter what, I'll be able to sell a, a row crop tractor, which, yeah, you can. But it's still, there comes a point in time when there's a saturation level. And I think the weird thing about the situation that we're in now is that we're in looking at machines at all-time pricing, right? The price as high as it's ever been on top of... Um, really, you know, seven and a half, eight percent interest rates, depending on where you're at. But we're still seeing some movement there that have a lot to do with, um, again, kind of going back to what you're talking about, watching this stuff sell. Uh, you know, I watched a couple of uh, quad tracks. I've watched some X9s. I've watched some um, 8RXs. I've watched some, you know, you know 8R370s kind of thing sell. And it's the same situation where they're not bidding to win. They're bidding not to lose. And as you look at those things kind of come through, you probably are tracking something similar to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said uh, earlier, you know, you have this period and this is, again, you're 300 to, to 425 on your horsepower. And you've got a bit of a peak of the market in here when, you know, people are out there bidding to win. Uh, and that's when we were seeing auction values at the highest and kind of that, that wholesale to uh, retail margin or the, the gap probably the tightest. You know, obviously it's come down a little bit seasonally, but even now, you know, the the average gap, and this is a wide range of tractors we're looking at here. I'll dive into a little more detail in a second. We're still seeing the retail values incrementally climb, maybe not quite as fast as what they were early in 22, but still seeing that climb. But up here at the top, and I just wrote a post on this this morning, that's why I've got this type of graph up, but you've got your overall supply on the yellow on the top. Uh, you got your, the sold is your green, and then they, just the new that's, new inventory that's coming onto a dealer's lot uh, is in blue. And yeah, you're just seeing that steady increase of what's coming into the dealer's lot, sales slowing down, and this this is growing at an alarmingly fast rate. Yes. Uh, and so that's the part that's caught my eye. But still, they're tractors, and we, you and I talked about this before, that you know they're not seasonal like combines, so your holding cost risk is, is less. Uh, but these still cost you know, a quarter of a million dollars. And Peace. so... Yeah. That, I mean, that's yeah. going to be a real risk if you can't move them. Right. 
Yeah. And I think that as you watch these things start to happen, start to things kind of come through. What I'm what I'm really paying attention to on the real crop tractor side is that there's a lot of high four hundred thousand, low five hundred thousand dollar real crop tractors out there. A mm-hmm. lot. And if you watch what those look like, I mean, you know, I talk about the washout cycle a lot, but as I'm looking at at these machines go through, the front end of the washout cycle is relatively full right now, and you're trying to make your way through to kind of you know disperse some of those out and kind of get that good product yep. mix across the way and as you watch that happen it's you know we always watch the, the the big slug of 12 13 and 14 model machines kind of make their way through that that age cycle you know and no matter where you looked at the you know the little hump in the in the graph was always right there you kind of watch it move down the down the way as it went uh-huh. we're not seeing that happen so as fast as we, as we want to see it happen when you're talking about high dollar machines and that that's a bit concerning in my that's a little has me a little concerned as I look at what the market looks like right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when I was looking at that uh, earlier, you know, you've got here just a, a dice up within our tractors in product, but mm-hmm. those tractors less than five hundred hours. There's considerably a lot more of those uh, right now that have that are on the lot now versus a year ago. Right. Uh, and yeah, you're right that it's you know there's just a lot more front loaded. Uh, right now, and for whatever reason, uh, if farmers are opting to take some of those older ones, um, you know, for whatever reason, cost, interest rates, uh, fixability, uh, it's happening and starting to change the dynamic of what's out there. Yep. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch what that happens with that as we move in through this this auction cycle. Because this is the first time I've watched an auction cycle where there's a lot of late hour, low model, yeah, late, ugh, late hour. Uh, late model stuff going through auction on the mm-hmm. tractor side. Typically, you don't see that this time of year. If you see right. something like that, it's late, you know, late, you know, October, November time frame. They threw it on and whatever to watch it go. But mm-hmm. take a look at at the online stuff out there, the big irons and the auction times and those kind of guys like that that are doing, uh, you know, weekly online sales. That that's a big um, a big chunk of that is is tractors, and that's a little bit surprising as we look at things right now. Right. Right. And one of the other things, you can't see it. I mean, this this is just a static heat map down here. But just talking with a lot of dealers out there and the auctioneers, I, I'm starting to see a little bit of a flow from the western high plains uh, and, and kind of moving down to the south and to the east, so a little bit across Iowa and to Illinois. Um, it just seems like there's an oversurplus of those type of tractors that are sitting up there epicentered around South Dakota um, and just disproportionately trying to push their way down uh into the eastern corn belt yeah yeah and that's the other thing too that i've always liked to track is that the uh the movement of machines from north to south and south to north because there's significantly different kinds of uh buyers as you look at the high Uh spec stuff that comes out of the out of the corn belt and moves into the south and then the the cheaper lower spec machines that move out of the south into the north that go into like feedlot operations and those kind of things so Watching what that happens there, that's also a good thing, but you brought up a good point there and what that movement looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing it. I mean, seeing it in a lot of different things, but, um, but yeah, row crop tractors here, especially those John Deere 8Rs, uh, mm-hmm. seeing a lot of that movement happen that way. Yeah, yep. When you look at your, what's it look like when you show the show a combine right now? Because that's yeah. another thing, too, that northern Corn Belt, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of machines that come out of the, the Nebraska's, Iowa's, Illinois, you start looking at like Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, those kind of things. Right. Yeah. So this, what I've got pulled up right here, uh, class eight combines. And so not too dissimilar, probably even a little more 
uh, concentrated up here into the north in Minnesota, North Dakota, and Iowa, and, and Illinois to a little bit, that there's just a lot of those. And this is, you know, currently listed within the last month. I'm going to click this back to, I'm just taking a guess on here in the six months, but yeah, there were more in Nebraska from what we heard. Uh, there's a lot sitting out there and those have kind of been pushed uh, a little bit more to the east uh, mm-hmm. just because they had an over surplus for available buyers out there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, seeing a little bit of that change happen. Um, and, you know, in combines as a whole, just click off of all class eights and look at all combines. You know, this is just a one month period here. Yeah. But, yeah, still on all combines, with the exception of a couple hour periods in class eights, um, seeing year over year price increases still going up a little bit at dealerships. Uh, you know, when I was doing this analysis earlier, uh, the 2,000 to 3,000 hour category, and this is machine hours, on some class eights, I was surprised to see that those were the strongest year over year price increases. And I, I didn't know from your take, you know, why that is, because there's certainly a lot of those out there. I mean, that that's kind of that period of combines that are those 12 to 14 manufactured years where there's a surplus of them, but uh, it just, people are still paying a premium for them. Well, I think it kind of goes back to some other stuff I've been talking about when you look at, <coughs> excuse me, where you look at um, some of the movement of machines and what they look like based around the buying habits of the customer blocks that we're seeing now, right? So, I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer right now that with the price of machines the way they are and interest rates the way they are, it's really kind of locked, you know, buyer groups into a certain perspective. And I think when you look at the machines that are there, that's what's available in their buying block. And they've mm-hmm. missed a couple other machines as they've kind of, you know, they've probably been trying to buy a combine for a few years and they're making sure that they're getting the one that they want. Um, and I think some of the ones that are probably bringing a more premium price than others are the ones that are exceptionally good for what they for what they are you know it might be a 2000 hour machine but it may have mm-hmm. just gotten through the shop right and they, you know, uh, they, yep. they spent 25 grand on it or whatever you know to make it do whatever those machines i think are the ones because that's really uh, the biggest differentiator right now is especially those machines you're looking at something with you know 1500 2000 hours on it, something like that is that what's been done to it and what still needs to be done to it and that's going to mm-hmm. really dictate is it a fifty thousand dollar rig or is it a you know one hundred twenty five or one hundred thirty thousand dollar rig? And I think that's the the big driving factor there. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. I mean, we just repaired the chopper on a, a new class eight that we bought, uh, new to us, and uh, the cost wasn't that much to be able to do it. Uh, so it made it very manageable. But it's also sitting in that range. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I, I uh, um, look at these things and I I, I see some of those patterns that kind of support what I'm talking about. But at the uh, at the end of the day, you still got a lot of machines out there that are 300,000 plus. I mean, that, there's a... Right. Well, you're probably looking at them here, you know, that the thousand hour machines that you've got on there. Mm-hmm. Those are all 300,000 plus dollar combines, you know. Right. Yeah, and that's at auction. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you go look. Yeah, thousand hour machines. Let's take a look. At the dealer side, take off the auction here. You just see those. So the light blue is this year. Yeah. Oh yeah, on average, I mean, yeah. almost four hundred and sixty. Less yeah. than five hundred is five hundred and sixty, five hundred and fifty. Yeah. And then you're right. That's a huge proportion of them. If we're looking at the overall proportion in the market right now, less than a thousand machine hours on those two categories 
it's about 40% of the overall market. Yeah. So that that represents slope. the risk that's yeah. sitting on the dealer's lots right now. And you know, I didn't show this this graph yet, so I'm gonna have to convert over here. But um, let's just take a look at just those class eights. You know, that'll be this is volume here on the top. And you know, this is essentially the sell-off that we had in July and August. You know, you and I were talking about all of the, the combines that were sold. And, you know, for whatever price they were pushed uh, and pushed hard, this is class eights. I'm wondering how much of that market is saturated. And mm -hmm. we're still sitting up there with a yeah. pretty high supply. And, the th you know, I, I, so I track something similar to this and kind of watch it go. And you kind of you build your graph and you'll start to see it as it, as it dips off, as it goes through these auction cycles that we're seeing. And then, but mm -hmm. then it comes right back. You know what I mean? And yep. this is the time of year when you're going to see a lot of combines showing back up. Is you know new ones right. being delivered. You're starting to see a lot more stuff coming in, and you're going to start to see a lot more stuff get advertised just because of various EOPs that are out there and those kind of things. Our order writing periods and those kind of things are they're all starting to show up. So you're going to see more machines pop up there. But to watch it go through there through the auction cycle, that's we see the dip and then it comes back. Mm -hmm. I see the dip and it comes back, and that's the hammer that that keeps trying to bank those <laughs> <stupid laughs> combines back down. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And yeah, you're right, because that, that's the most concerning thing when I see this, is we went through the July and August period when you should move a lot of the combines off. And yeah. they did, I mean, this green line shows that they're being aggressive on trying to get the combines off the lot. And mm -hmm. it only got down to there by mid-August. Yeah. You know, it, granted, last year was incredibly low, but here, this light blue line is, you know, a lot of those late additions that should have come pre-harvest, but they're delivered late. Yeah. And, uh, and that started this. But the fact that we're up here and not somewhere down here um, is not a good starting point. Yeah, it's not. So when you're looking at, I know, I know you guys have a function in your inside of uh, Iron Comps there where you can see upcoming auctions and what that looks like. Um, mm -hmm. What's that? What's that look like? What's the future sell? You know, future inventory out there look like as far as auction stuff goes? Yeah. Well, considering you know we're August 31st now. Uh, we actually pulled that up within tractor zoom. So I'll go within tractor zoom and, uh, and I don't have it pulled up here. I can here in a second. And I just go create an alert saying, Hey, I'm looking for combines. And then it'll email me anytime something hits my spec. So I can even say class eights, class eights for a certain price, certain geography. And then, so I'll monitor the, uh, the market that way both personally for my farms, if I need right. to buy something, right. but, uh, yeah. but also I just do it for just the knowledge of knowing what's coming up. Sure. And uh, we've got, you know, a few of the auctions, like you mentioned, that's happening essentially today. Uh, mm -hmm. But but really, we're kind of getting out of that season from the auction mm -hmm. standpoint. So we're not seeing as much on the next, you know, two weeks is really a lot of what we post uh, as we have been seeing. And so, you know, we'll sell a little bit more combines here in September. But I, I think we're going to be relatively quiet on the movement of those, especially for big dealer auctions after today uh, yeah. for quite some time. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to watch because I, I think that I still think that you know you got these big one day events that come through and those kind of things, but I still think the market is the the whatever best way to say this. I think the the buying public is has has a different look and feel for uh, what's going to happen in the um, in the marketplace because of the weekly online auctions uh, that are out there, and you know if you're a dealer right now, you could put hundred combines through auction and sell them five times you know 
whatever five a week for twenty weeks and uh-huh. have your have your hundred combines through there. You know, you could you could do that pretty easy. And and realistically, the buying public really wouldn't know any different. You know what I mean? So that that uh-huh. that's not something like where you're going to have a giant, you know, in your face type of deal. So it, it'll be. It's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out through the end of the year. Because I think you're right. These, what we've seen happen so far, these big 20-plus combines on a number of auctions. I mean, a number. I'm talking probably I could give you 20, 20 auctions that I've watched where there's that many yep. or more combines on there. That's going to change. I mean, I, I don't know how many of these can be can, – I don't know how many more of those we can see go through uh, uh-huh. through the end of the year. And watching it happen, you know, at the at the online side of it will be – will be interesting to watch how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. And another thing, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, small plug for the Moving Iron Summit, but uh, we meet in a couple of weeks down in Nashville. But one of the topics for your breakout session uh, that I'm looking forward to is talking about what happens when you need to sell this stuff overseas and, you know, right. put it on the boat, ship it out. Uh, that would be an interesting metric to track, especially for those weekly auctions where you're sending out the onesies and the twosies mm-hmm. versus the, the 20 combine auctions. You know, if you're if you're selling 20 combines at an auction, you're going to get the attention of some overseas buyers. And I've heard the shipments, uh, particularly to our west, to China, uh, have been on the rise. Yeah, uh, it's been one of the stronger unloading markets for us. And so, I would be curious to know on those auctions in those buyers, like, is there a, a correlation there between the big buyers, the big auctions, and send those things to China? And what information is in that sale that we can start to track uh, that can help us? Yeah, that's that's the one thing that's that's new. I don't want to say it's new, but it's just you know I, I've been in used equipment for a long time and exported stuff to a lot of countries, and it wasn't until um, probably five years ago that we really I really started seeing China come to the table and buy stuff on the used mm-hmm. equipment side of it because it was before that it was well we we don't really want anything you know we're gonna we're gonna kind of slow the the, the role of, of uh, used equipment coming into our country and those kind of things. And it's, that's really changed. So it's it's interesting to watch how that, that, that turns up and what that looks like. Uh-huh. So must need, a, must need a bunch of machines to reverse engineer so they can steal more. Technology, <laughs> I, guess, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, that, might be, that might be what they're doing over there. But, they'll be, uh, uh, but they'll be, it'll be interesting to watch that plays out because it's, the strength of the dollar right now has a lot to do with exports and what that looks mm-hmm. like. And then... And uh, you know, of course, world um, interest rates too. And we think it's bad here, but you go to some of these places that stuff gets exported to, and it's you know, right. you have a cheaper credit card rate than than these people have for interest rates. So it's all about cash and availability of it. So it's right. interesting to make to say the least to watch how that works. But yeah, I think that's going to be a good um, topic, you know, mm-hmm. to sit down and talk about because there's a. It's it's one of those things that a lot of people want to dabble in, but they it takes so much time and, and patience and making sure you got the right export partners and stuff like that that it, it's hard to jump through those hoops. But at the end of the day, it is another outlet that we will right. have to have to maximize as we look at what we have for supply. No different than in the, in the past either. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to watch how it plays out. Right, right. Yeah, it's all tied together and it brings you know starts to make sense of what's going on in South America, Ukraine, China. Yep. Uh, Yep. For sure. For sure. All right, let's talk a little bit real quick about uh, anything else on combines you want to talk about before we move to the next one? You know, the only other thing on combines is I always just like to contrast this, and I know they're less on the value side, but once you start to look at 
class six combines. Yeah. Uh, it, just because I think with this, it's a nice, uh, oh, a little bit of comparison of, you know, people that used to have class six combines a couple decades ago, maybe even three, yeah. are in class eights now. And yeah. so, you know, I'm not saying we're ever going to move to a class 11. I, I don't even know if that's possible. But uh, hold on to this. It's kind of steady, Eddie. There's still those farmers out there that still need them uh, mm-hmm. if they can get them. And, uh, and so this is what a more mature market starts to look like. But you're really seeing, and I thought this is probably the most interesting thing, of how the Class 6 combines, pretty much commoditized by now, the auction and the dealer market just follow each other. Um, but that's what you get when things are commoditized. But I thought that was interesting and, and how the data is just fleshing that out. Yep, that is, that is interesting for sure. All right, let's jump over and talk real quick about uh, what's happening in the spray market. You're starting to see the spray market mm-hmm. pick up. You've seen a few machines show up here and there. Um, you'll see a lot more new machines get delivered than we saw last year, but that might take another year before we really see a big influx of uh, machines onto the marketplace. Um, as you take a look at, at what's going on in the spray market, any big movement or anything like that that you saw <clears throat> that you've seen mm-hmm. month over month? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing that I'm seeing in sprayers is that it's not interesting. That it, you know, a little bit of this worry that we've got with combines, a little bit of the worry we've got with uh, tractors, it's just not in the sprayer market. We're seeing some of the supply return just because I think the the market's getting a little healthier. Um, But values are still climbing. There's a pretty healthy spread, uh, as there usually is. Uh, And I've got the the hours here on a pretty wide basis. But, yeah, the, the spur market looks healthy, and you know I, I think that's probably due to a few things. They, the allocation uh, was there, and so they didn't overproduce. Not necessarily easy to overproduce on, produce on those spurs. And I, I think a little bit has to do with just the profitability that farmers had last year. It's one of those things that it's if they've got extra profitability, they might buy a self-propelled sprayer. They might have that control to spray, and it's just being you know needed that much more fungicide really took off late in the year once everybody realized we might actually get a corn crop uh and so the ability to apply late in the year so you need a higher end sprayer for that um i think it's just the farmers are starting to realize like this is a nice tool to have in the tool belt um and i'm willing to pay for it and and pay for it now i have some profitability sure yeah i think i think you're right because what you see when you look at most of the stuff is that if there's anything out there that is the two, the two biggest machines out there that have the technology that's really changing the way people farm, it's, it's in planters and it's in, it's in sprayers, you know. Yep. And if you find that opportunity to get that, that, uh, that you know, higher spec um, sprayer out there that's, got a, that's used and it's, it's a decent price, I think you're right. I think you can see some guys moving to that because not that the co-ops can't get to them, but it's just that there's, there's a lot that they have to get done and cover a lot of acres, and I think this uh-huh. is... We're starting to see. We saw that kind of peak up in, you know, late 2010, 11, 12, where there were more spurs getting sold on on the farm. Yeah, kind of stayed that way. And I think we're starting to see that 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 boost again in in that mm-hmm. getting more spurs on the farm. Yeah, yeah, I agree that it's. Uh, it, and you're right that the co-ops can do it and they can do a good job, but uh, they're running into labor issues as well. Sure. And yeah. you know, who's going to get sprayed first? And as timely as some of this needs to be yeah. done, sometimes your window is only a day or two. Yeah. Um, that all of a sudden your, you know, your profitability rationale goes out the window if you miss that window. Yep, that's for sure. Definitely for sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what do you got here? What's this? Uh, so yeah, within sprayers, uh, just 
you know, we've got a little bit of a price decline that's more seasonal oh, yeah. than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that, and you just get that with your general just depreciation. Sure. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, just the number that's listed by our range, the the washout curve yep. is is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even now, you know, within the traction product, you can even go in there within every was this fifty hours and start to look um, and dice this up, even if you wanted to by your state. So. Trying to figure out what the the market is and within your AOR and get to a pretty nuanced level. Just depends yeah. on what kind of question you want to ask it. For sure. Um, the one thing that I did see and I wanted to bring up. So this is, uh, you know, the, the list price of sprayers here. Um, and I saw this little bit of a gap. It's like, you know, there's is that thousand hour sprayer not worth anything? And uh, there's not a lot of auction data out there for the past two months with relatively low hour sprayers. Yeah. Uh, and, and in this particular one, 500 to 1,000 hours, uh, you know, you can actually go up here and see that there should be green dots up here for mm-hmm. the sprayer auction market. Yeah. And there hasn't been, not like last year. And right. so you're, you don't see a ton of these in the market, but I'm seeing almost none of these in right. the market right now. And that also just tells me that it's, it's a desirable thing. If a farmer right. doesn't have to give it up, they're not giving it up right now. Uh, and so just another sign that I think this spare market isn't overproduced. And there's, you know, the allocation's been working and uh, there's limited ones out there for still some, some available dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's one other thing I was going to talk to you about to see if your data supported this and then we'll wrap it up here. But as you're looking at, so no matter what you're looking at, you're start, you see price declines right now, and the, the price is declining uh, as far as advertised retail price goes. It's Correct. not like yep. sharply going down by any means, but a lot of that just kind of a, a premium that we saw get put on early uh, during COVID that we saw pop up when you yep. know, everything was there. You're starting to see those machines that were traded for six or eight months ago come back in and where they've been advertised at throughout the trade cycle until they've gotten the new machines in those machines are starting uh-huh. to, you're starting to see those machines get dropped by five or ten or fifteen thousand bucks whatever it is right see not big movements by any means but you're starting to see it i feel like that that we're starting to see that erosion of price and i think by the end of 24 we're going to see a you know market that may be down 20 or 30 percent from what it was today mm-hmm. not because the market's in a bad spot or there's some kind of crazy collapse coming but it's just you have to realign your pricing as, as supply comes back in the, in the play. And we're starting to see that your data tracking something similar. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I think I'm seeing it <clears throat> different by the brands. I mean, John Deere saw some pretty aggressive price increases on uh, mm-hmm. the last couple of years, and I'm seeing probably more aggressive price decreases right mm-hmm. now across green items. Uh, I'm seeing it across everything. It's just probably correlated to what we saw with the price increases uh, that were happening in, yeah. you know, in 20. 2022 yeah. uh and so yeah we are seeing this you know two percent price decrease that's happening right now but it's really you know kind of your obsolescence of things are just older even if they're not being used and not being depreciated with ours they're yep. just going to be older an older model that's sitting around so it's going to have some slight depreciation um and i'm seeing that across the board with almost everything uh let's see if i don't make a liar to myself here um with the exception of probably four-wheel drive tractors you know, that's been another piece in the market where I said, you know, sprayers are holding their value. Planters, you're not really in the season, but those are still holding their value. There are a few four-wheel drive tractors, though, uh, that that are doing really well. Um, and, you know, the, what I've got pulled up here is just our look at our market trends at four-wheel drive tractors above 
425 horse. Yeah. And this is just auction value. So this is, you know, fair market, invisible hand moving out here. Year-over-year auction price increases of, you know, strong auction prices in this light green right now versus a year ago in, in August of last year. Um, so that's just one indication that, you know, if you can get your hands on a good low-hour four-wheel drive tractor, so just add some muscle to your farm, yep. a lot of farmers are paying to do it. Yep, yep. And that's another thing, too. I mean, if, if there's any one machine out there that all manufacturers are having a hard time getting produced, it's for whatever reason, it's articulated four-wheel drives. Tires and, and tracks and all those things just seem to be holding those up, and then you just look at what that I means. It's just everybody, case steer, everybody's having a hard time getting all that stuff in. So mm-hmm. it's... Uh, going to be the four-wheel drive thing to me is is a little bit volatile too because once that market supply starts hit again four-wheel drives just kind of fluctuate and, and it might actually drive sales because as prices start coming down like to your point more guys might start showing up and saying hey i need some cheap horsepower i'm gonna get something here now mm-hmm. and that could right. start popping up too so yeah and i know we've talked about this uh, podcast or two ago but you know with the four-wheel drives uh you kind of have a uh, opposite correlation with no-till. Uh, yeah. You know, you're just going to plow things over. And it just by following a couple areas around the country this year, the no-till did not go well in a lot of areas around yeah. the country. And I know some farmers that just got burned by it and, and then might be giving it up. So there might be more of a need just for that that yeah. beast to to put the field under. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, man, that's probably a good place to stop, Andy. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about where they can go get uh, information for tractor zoom and iron comps. Yeah. So with tractor zoom, you know, first of all, we'd love to meet everybody in person. And so if uh, you're listening to this and you're going to be at the moving iron summit, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, we'll have a booth there, uh, giving a presentation and taking part in the panels. So super excited for that coming up here in early September, uh, for the dealer listing piece. So all this data that you have on here and all of our partners that are able to access this data, even their own personal data, uh, for their dealership within there, they're able to, leverage the power of that in a, in a big data sense. Uh, that's completely free. Uh, if they sign up for tractorzoom.com and then they can go there and have all their listings on uh, tractorzoom.com and we take care of the heavy lifting. So that allows them to get their data into the system for free. And then if they're interested in the valuation piece, whether it's comps on the search results, uh, building out the inventory. So a little bit more predictive stuff on time on lot and, uh, and managing your inventory pricing strategy. They can go to ironcomps.com right now and uh, reach out to us there. And if you just want to talk shop, I enjoy all the conversations I can get. Uh, and you can reach me at acampbell at tractorzoom.com. Right on. Andy, appreciate you guys being on. Look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks, and we'll uh, share a cocktail 12 while we're down there. Yes, we will. All right, on, <laughs> all right buddy. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Go to the YouTube channel so you can see these fancy graphs that Andy puts out here on the video version at Moving Iron Podcast. And you can go see everything at MovingIronLLC.com. That is Moving Iron related. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Andy Campbell. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. 
No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher.